Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're starting a new series called The Gospel Pandemic, Part 1. What's up? Welcome back, Brian. Welcome back. Happy, Happy New Year. New oh, year. I beat you to it. <laughs> Happy New Year. We're a couple weeks in, and it's already terrible. No, <laughs> yeah, it's twenty twenty one, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> Repeat. No, <laughs> I don't think years are good or bad. They just are. They just are. Yeah. And things happen, and we deal with them. Right. So right. It's all good. So did you have a good break. Yeah, it was. It was a. Uh, you know how you always think, oh, I'm coming up to a break. I'm going to be able to relax and get things done that I want to do. No, that doesn't happen yeah. ever. It's never really a break. So yeah, that's how my break was. How was yeah, yours? Yeah, <laughs> it was good. It was different. Fa- uh, you know, a lot of family time. Yes, you know, yes. not not traveling or anything. Uh, it was kind of low key, but that was good. I didn't mind. I didn't mind it at all. So. Yeah, I think we need that sometimes. So yeah. I'm glad that we were able to just kind of have to do something yeah like yeah That's definitely yeah good. we had our mini episodes out and i think that people enjoyed those yeah, I, I got so. some good feedback good. uh on especially the last one people mm-hmm. we talked about our testimonies and so yeah and that kind of actually feeds into our new series exactly. so tell us about our new series yeah so we are calling this the gospel pandemic and uh what we're really wanting to think through is the the reality that the gospel is supposed to spread and so uh, we know what it's like to like do a it, virus. Like a virus. It's we know what it's like to want to stop viruses. Well, the the thing with the the gospel is this is a life giving virus. I heard that from um, people at Dare to Share. They they were talking about this that way. And yeah, you did a series with the youth. Yeah, you can't called, quarantine, you can't the, quarantine gospel. the gospel. Right. And I just loved that because we've got to be spreading the gospel and and now more than ever because we can't do some of the normal things. We can't bring people into church in the same ways that we might have before. Right. We've got to be really doubling down on going out. Right. Yeah. This is this has forced us to, you know, we can't just have a come and see attitude, which right. we shouldn't have had in the first place. It all, you know, that can't be our total evangelism strategy. You know, we've right. got to be a go and tell model. And I will say there's a lot of encouraging things out there. Samaritan's Purse, uh, which is Franklin Graham's organization, yeah. reported that 2020 was a great year that evangelism's wow. Uh, evangelism and and decisions for Christ were up for them. Man, that's that's so awesome. So they had a really concerted effort to make it a personal touch and a personal outreach and so that's just what we have to do. And that's so right. I'm really excited. We're going to do an in-depth look, a deep dive yes. on what does uh, salvation look like? What does the gospel look like? How do we what's a great strategy and then how does that impact our families as yeah. well? You know, we want to always make sure that we're uh, you know, we're both family ministers, and right. so we want to make sure that family ministry is a big part of that and how parents and kids are thinking about these things. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we're going to be using uh, some uh, material called the Master Plan of Evangelism, which is really cool because we're going to talk a lot about evangelism, but we're going to really be talking a lot about discipleship right? and how those go. We're going to talk a minute in a minute about kind of how those go together. Um, it's an older book, but man, I tell you the truth is so relevant, you know, not all, uh, you know, sometimes old things are bad, you know, but I tell you what, when it comes to books, old things are good. That's so true. Yeah. The older the book, usually the better, unfortunately. Um, so what, so we're talking, let's talk about evangelism a little bit. Uh, what, 
do like why are we doing evangelism? What's the purpose behind this? And and then kind of what do we need to do that? Yeah, evangelism is kind of a weird word. It's a churchy word, but really it's just the act of sharing the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's just literally you're trying to actively challenge people in their belief system. Mm. Now, I mean, we're not trying to be hateful or you know, we're not trying to say you're wrong or right. you don't believe right. But, you know, there's no way to share the gospel without challenging someone's belief system. You yeah. know, we're, we're not trying to intentionally upset them, but, you know, the gospel can be intentionally upsetting because it can rock your worldview. Yeah, that is a good point. Because really what it is, you know, you're simply, sh- you know, giving the gospel, you're, you're holding it out. And the very act of holding it out for people to see um, people don't like it a right. lot because it it you know it says some things about us and it says some things about God that um, unbelief you know people in our sin we don't like it right so it can be it can be hard to do but it also is the power of you know God unto salvation right yeah and and so that means that we need to share uh, in fact if we refuse to share that we show it really shows a, a lack of care and concern and a love for for other people. Yes. If that's... we don't uh, share, it's it's as if we're not being loving towards them. I was watching a, a movie about uh, just the gospel lately, and one of the pastors that was in this movie used to be a Muslim, and he was saying that he didn't understand why Christians wouldn't share the gospel with him, and he decided to himself either they don't know the gospel or they don't care about him. Right, because if they believe that he's going to hell, why in the world wouldn't they tell him? Yeah, and uh, that was like that was super convicting to yeah, me. Yeah, there's a magician slash comedian, Penn Jillette, that a few years back had a video, and he had had somebody share the gospel with him, and he thought, you know, if people really love me, if you have a life changing truth and you really love me, and that's the core of your belief system. Why, why would you not tell someone? Yeah, that's right? right. I mean, you, if you don't tell them, then you're, you have a lack of love. And, and honestly, Brian, I think that's a lot of why we don't share is because we don't love people the way that Jesus loves people. We don't look at them. You know, Jesus looked upon the masses and he had compassion yeah, for them. Right. Jesus wept as he saw their unbelief. Yeah. And we just don't think like that. Yeah. The more I think about the people around me and the more compassion I feel for them, when I really think about them and I and I just ask the Lord to help me to love them, the more of a burden I feel to talk to them about the right. gospel. It's a very interesting thing that happens yeah. uh, in your own heart. Yeah. Um, you'll so. love you'll love this, Mr. Analogy. Uh, you know, there is a book called Way of the Master by uh, yes. Ray Comfort, mm-hmm. and he uses the analogy of being on a plane. And if you know someone said, "Hey, this love this that. plane is going to go down. Put this parachute on. We don't know when. We don't know what's going to happen." You would strap a parachute That's on, right. and you would try to encourage other people as well, because yeah. you would want as many people as possible to be saved. Saved, yeah. And That's so right. the same thing is true that if we really believe the gospel, if we really hold that near and dear to our heart, and it's it's everything that we are, then we should be sharing. Yeah, and if and if Christians are supposed to be loving, you know, everyone in the world, the world thinks they know what Christian love is supposed to look like, but they don't even know what the Bible says. Christians, we know what the Bible says, and if Christians are supposed to share the love of God with the world, 
Well, that means we've got to be sharing the gospel. That's right. So that's a huge, that's why we are talking about evangelism. Yes. Uh, if we love this world, if we love the lost and, and the people who are in darkness, which that's a real, that's a reality <laughs> for our world, then we've got to do this. So what do you need to do evangelism? We know yeah. why. What, what do you have to Yeah, have the to first do? thing is is the gospel. I mean, that is, that's the foundational truth. And so gospel, uh, you know, means good news. It's taken from the Latin evan- evangelum and then the Greek. You're going to have to help me with that word. Yeah, it's like, it's euangelion. Euangelion. Yeah, so I think. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't judge us on our pronunciations yes, here. We're not scholars. <laughs> uh, but it does mean good news or good telling. And so, of course, we know this is the best news. This right. is the goodest of all the good news that could ever be told. <laughs> the bestest is <laughs> of all the so news. Now, <laughs> so now it's synonymous with the word gospel. Yeah. And so for me, you know, as I studied the gospel, especially in 1 Corinthians 15, what Paul said about the gospel there in verses chapters 1 through 8, here is a definition that I've uh, put together through through my own study. Yeah, yeah, this is good. And so I say the gospel is the death, burial, and witnessed resurrection of Jesus Christ, which when applied by faith and repentance to our lives, results in the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and new and changed life for this world. Yeah, that's good. So that's sort of my definition. And that that there's different components that are built into that. You know, number one, you have to have the death, burial, and the witnessed resurrection. <laughs> Paul makes a really important point that mm-hmm. Jesus died, he was buried. And then the resurrection happened, but not just a, it's not just saying the resurrection happened. Paul provides vi- a lot of evidence yeah. that, that the disciples and, and over, 500 over 500 people, people saw him. it. And at the time when he was writing this, he was saying it in a way to say, okay, you don't believe me. Go check it out. Yeah, Go talk to these go people. Go talk to a witness that saw it. Yeah. 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 And so the witness resurrection really provides that um, that undeniable thing that Jesus rose from the grave. Yeah, and that that to me is one of the biggest realities is just the historical. De- it's so dependably true right. that Jesus rose from the grave. Right. And uh, one thing I would add to this, if you don't mind, uh, and I think you obviously would agree with this. But we sometimes gloss over is the fact that he had a perfect life. Mm-hmm. So I usually do life, death, burial. But that's exactly what it is. It's it's that Jesus came, he died for our sins, and he came back to life. Right. Um, Listen, and, I was just going off what no. Paul, what Paul said. So oh, if you want to oh, okay, argue okay. with Paul, <laughs> I definitely don't want to argue with Paul. Um, I'm but, just kidding. Um, no. Uh, one of the things I, w- I was actually talking to my brother about this last night. Um, we were talking about the gospel and how. It's such an interesting thing in that it is so simple when like a a, a child mm-hmm. believing right. that Jesus died for my sins. And and in their mind, of course Jesus is alive, like right. duh. But but he died for my sins. And it's like wow, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um but what is the gospel? Uh, it's all of these things, right. you know. And then, what is the gospel? Well, there's even more you can talk about right. that we're gonna look yeah, at here and, in a second. And you it's bring it, you bring an important point up about the life of Jesus because here's the reality: it centers around Jesus Christ. You can't have the gospel without Jesus. Amen. Christ. Yeah, that's right. And so that's so important. And and you know, Paul makes a really good point about all of this that it, that if Jesus isn't who he says he is, if he didn't come back to life, then we're wasting this our time. Pointless. That's right. Then we need to all just go do something different. Yeah. 
And so that's a that's a paraphrase there, but um, <laughs> more or less, it centers around Jesus, and then the gospel is applied through faith and repentance. So Jesus does the work. We receive the salvation, the work of Christ, and we respond to that through faith and repentance. That's right. And that's that's huge because it's one thing to know that Jesus came back from the dead. It's one thing to know all of these things. Right. But to to trust in him, mm-hmm. it, you know, and that's the thing. People people think that faith and trust mean two different things. Right. And they might have nuances, but but f- trusting in Jesus for your salvation is right. having faith in him. Right. And repentance is turning away from yourself and from your sin. But it's turning to Jesus. That's right. And that's you're not saved if you don't do that. Right. So that's yeah. huge. And then there's three things that we receive, the forgiveness of sins uh, and eternal life and the new and changed life. That's, you know, a lot yeah. of times we focus on the eternal life, which is good. We want to focus on that. Yeah. But there's also new and changed life for this world. Right. And that's really key. We'll get into yeah. that a little yeah, bit more as we go along. Right now, yeah, that's good. Right, you know, as we talk about salvation, there's a really another fancy five dollar word called oh, soteriology, yeah. which is basically the doctrine of salvation. And you know, I remember being in Bible college, and I was mm-hmm. like a sponge as I sat there and listened to uh, Doctor Brand. Oh yeah, shout out to oh, Doctor yeah. Brand. He was awesome, Love and. As I sat there and listened, it was just like amazing to me as these doctrines were laid out and they just, my mind just exploded and I understood my salvation more fully. And so, listen, we don't necessarily have time to go into all of the elements, but, you know, I really think it's important that Christians need to think about and understand all of the elements of salvation because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Again, like you said, the, Salvation is so simple, a child can believe and understand and be saved, but scholars have studied for years, their whole lives, to wrap their minds around the doctrines of salvation. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's like... like uh, a diamond the way I see yes. it. you know it's you, you see a diamond it's like that's a diamond that's beautiful that's simple and anyone can see that but then you've got the people who are like look at all the facets of the diamond right and they're like looking at everything inside of it and then and then it's like well look at the the clarity and look at the this and look at the that and you know what every that's a guy good analogy man every, I like oh, that one thanks man uh it, you know any guy who is getting ready to propose becomes an expert on diamonds yeah. <laughs> instantly you know you read everything there is all the C's, I don't know. All this, yeah, this, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I knew, I knew, but I forgot. Um, and, but that's the thing is you can keep growing in this. And that's what our life with Christ is, is really just continuing to grow and, and seeing how wonderful this mystery of salvation really is. Yeah. So I would really encourage people, you know, one of the greatest books I've read was Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. I'm a huge Grudem fan. Mm-hmm. I like him just personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. So if you can get a copy of that. In fact, <clears throat> there's a new revised version coming out of Systematic Theology. I didn't know that. I want to get it. So oh, yeah. Uh, also, here's a, here's a nugget for you. If you go to waynegrudem.com, okay, this is like the, the... I can't even believe that he's put this out there for free, but he recorded some of his lectures and you go to waynegrudem.com and he has lectures on systematic theology and other things but you can basically hear him lecture on the different chapters of his book i had no idea that it's amazing that. that there are so many resources out there like so that so if you want that's, a that's if you huge. want a seminary level lecture yeah. from wayne grudem go to his website waynegrudem.com wow. and check that out and you can hear his lecture about the doctrine 
about the doctrine of salvation. Yeah. And it will it will blow your mind. That's huge. So the main things that we want to talk about, though, are what, Brian? When it comes to salvation, there's there's a couple things that we really want to key in on, right? Yeah, there's there's three, and here here again, some you know, kind of Christianese words, you know, very theological words, but they 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 have a lot of good meaning. The first one is justification. Uh, the next one is sanctification. And the third one is glorification. And these are really words that are describing um, the whole life of a Christian right. from, from start point of rebirth in Christ, uh, living your life now, and then coming into the presence of the Lord and, and having eternal life forever. Yeah, and that's so important. You know, again, one of the things that really blew my mind... I had always thought of salvation as a past event, yes. as something that had happened to me. But salvation is not just a one-time event. It's a past, present, and future right. event. And so it's like you're, you were saved, you're being, being saved, saved, and you will, be, will saved. be saved. And that's, that's right. justification, sanctification, glorification. Yeah. And so the past part of our conversion is justification, is the fact that we began our faith journey believing in Christ, repenting of sin, the results of the gospel work, in our lives, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. And so when that work of the cross is applied salvifically to our lives, we are justified. We right. are made right. It's it's when you it's it's when you trust in Jesus, you you turn to him from your sin and you say Jesus, you are my salvation. You put your faith in him, God then declares you just. Right. He says you are no longer a sinner. You are now uh, covered by the blood of Christ. Your sins have been washed away. Yeah, it's that Romans 8, 1, where he says, therefore, there is no, no condemnation, condemnation now exists for those that are in Christ Jesus. Dude, that's that's huge. That's huge. There's, okay, what's the other one? There's yeah, Romans great verse. 3, 21 and 22, it says, but now apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets, that is, God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. Yeah. So we are we are imputed with Christ's righteousness. Right. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not yep. not our sin that's yep. been forgiven and we are made right. We are justified. Yeah. The, the the penalty has been paid. And so that's sort of the beginning of our faith. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't stop there. Yeah. And that's a big one. I remember talking to people growing up where they would complain that a lot of times um, Christians uh, and Baptists, this person was saying Baptists often, you know, preach the gospel, people get saved, and then it's like, okay, have fun, good luck. Right. And it's like, no, there's, we keep going in this. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's interesting. Once we get saved, we don't just immediately die and go be with the Lord, you know? Right. He could do that. <laughs> we have to, we have to live our lives yeah. and we know we're promised and we know we're going to live forever, but justification is just the beginning. Then we enter the process of sanctification. That's so right. what does that mean? What yeah. does that fancy word mean? Uh, so sanctification is simply the idea of being uh, sanctified. <laughs> um, it, it's and sanct that that is important though, because that word sanctify, that sanct is really the idea of holiness. Mm -hmm. So it's growing, yeah, being in set apart. Holy, that's mm -hmm. right. You are changing, and so you are growing up 
in your salvation and becoming more like Christ in yourself. Right. Your heart has been changed and it is being changed. You're growing in and, that. And here's the mis- here's the uh, misunderstanding. We think that we are in control of that process. That's yes, right. And the gospel work is still being applied. God is doing that that salvific work in and through us. That's that's Philippians 2.13 right. we've got here. For it is God who is working in you, enabling both to will and to act for his purposes. God is, the Holy Spirit's in right. you now, and he is producing this these new desires, this new will, this zeal for good works. So it's not like you get saved and then just like, okay, now I'm on my own. It's, right. You're saved, and then God is working in and through you to accomplish his purpose and will. Dude, and that's, that is so encouraging to me because I know growing up, I just felt like I really did. I, I was saved, but I, I thought it was on me now. Right. And it's like, no, that's not the gospel. Right. Um, it's yeah. all it's all God in you. Yeah, Philippians is so rich in this. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Man. God has promised to continue to work and grow in us. And sometimes it's, it, you know, when we submit to his will, that makes it all the better. Yes. But there <laughs> are times that we don't. And if you go read Hebrews chapter 12, mm-hmm. it talks about the discipline of the Lord, how the heavenly father will will discipline us and form us. Right. So sometimes as a Christian, if it feels like we're kicking against the goads, like then sometimes our will, our what we're trying to do is not lining up with God's will and God's word. Right. And he is intentionally punishing us or mm-hmm. disciplining us so we will get our lives in in line with his. That's right. I mean, and that's that's the thing. You know, a lot of people in the world think that God would never, you know, uh, punish his children right. for any reason at all, okay? Um, I'll tell you a story. My, my son, one of my sons, uh, who is two, um, decided that he was angry at his five-month-old brother mm-hmm. and thought that it would be appropriate to kick him. You know, obviously that's okay. Um, No, that is not okay. A two-year-old kicking a five-month-old is going to go bad. Okay. So he was disciplined appropriately, appropriately. And that's the thing. God disciplines us, but it's always appropriate. Right. And it always goes better for us when we listen to him. That's so, right. That's so that, that's part of the work of sanctification that we misunderstand. God is doing the work and he is working in and through us to help us to grow. And then that work is finally completed in in the end days, or you know, w- well, it's not fine. It's not finally completed until the end days. But when we die, we go to be with the Lord, right. and we know that there is a promised future salvation. Right, that's glorification. Mm-hmm. When, when the heavens and earth are remade, we yeah. are in new bodies, and that's the final state. And so we know that we are going to be saved on that day. Yeah. There is a great judgment. So this is where this future salvation comes in. There is a great judgment that will happen and everyone that is in Christ is promised to be saved on that day. Yeah. Now we are literally trusting the Lord that he will come through on his promise. That's what that's faith. That's what exactly. that's what we mean by we're trusting in that promise. And so what God has done is he's given us the down payment of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 1. So it says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, the praise of, of 
his glory. Yeah. So the so the Holy Spirit becomes that claim check. So God says, "You are mine. I am in you. Here's the Holy Spirit." And that's the down payment. That's the guarantee that one day you will be in that inheritance. You will receive the full inheritance of Christ. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. Jesus did it all. We get to benefit from the sacrifice of Christ. That's right. We're simply just believing that that's true, you know? And so that's so important that we realize that our relationship with God right now um, really does uh, help us as we go along this journey. He is the one who gets us there, and He is the one who's promised it. And all we need to do is continue to believe that promise. And this is what, you know, Philippians 3 just kind of reassures us of some mm-hmm. of these things. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, we always sing, we sing the song, you know, this is not my home. Right. And it's like, well, that's that's coming from the Bible. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that he enables him to subject everything to himself. The king is bringing the kingdom here, and we simply have to wait for him right. and, and, and do what he's asked us to do while we wait. Right. So salvation is this ongoing work that God is doing in us, and he will finally complete Complete that. It's an active and and sort of living thing. We live out the gospel daily. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, there are, again, so many facets to think about, but these are just some of the main things that we're hitting on. But, you know, I really think we need to think about sanctification a little bit more. And we we might even call Mm. this discipleship. You know, that's a popular uh, word in the sense that we are becoming disciples or continuing in discipleship in Christ. So how is salvation connected to discipleship? Yeah, I I really think that discipleship is kind of like uh, basically the process for—it's not the only process, but it's one of the main processes— uh, that sanctification takes place in. It's one of the engines that that sanctification, you know, moves through. And so, what we're dealing with is that it, it is, it's essentially one believer or multiple believers helping other believers grow up in their walk with Christ. And it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's doing all of these things. Um, But I like to think of it, the reason why we're talking about it a lot is because discipleship is, is so important for evangelism because it's kind of like a cyclical thing. It's right. like a cycle. You know, you start out, you hear the gospel for the first time and you become a believer, right? Um, God saves you. Well, then you've got to start growing up in that salvation through being disciple, being shown how to live this out by other more mature believers. Well, then you're going to start evangelizing. You know, that's what mature believers do is we share the gospel. Well, then that person who hears the gospel from you uh, becomes saved. They've been evangelized. Well, then you are discipling them now. And so it just keeps going and going and going. And that's the master plan of evangelism. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Exactly. Jesus told us to make disciples, not just converts. Right. So we're not just saying, okay, you're saved next. You're saved next. It's okay. You're saved. Let me help you grow and become a disciple. And then you go and you make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so that's not uh, an easy process or an easy task, no. but I think it's what we're called to do. We can't separate, se- we can't disconnect salvation from discipleship. No, I no. really, I really don't think so. So, I, mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about discipleship for a minute. Um, you know, I really, this is a strong belief that I have that uh, the, the same thing needed for salvation is the same thing needed for discipleship. And it's a constant faith and repentance. This is the mm, recipe yes. for discipleship. It plays out in some practical steps, but do you agree with that? I mean, the disciple oh, needs more faith yeah. and to constantly be repenting, putting themselves under subjection of, of the Lord, right? hundred percent. And that's the thing that, that I didn't understand growing up. And this is parents, if you're listening, this is something you can help your kids with. And maybe, you know, maybe you're just figuring this out is that faith and repentance is not just for an unbeliever to get saved and then you're done. Faith and repentance is your lifestyle, right? That's what you do as a Christian. You live in faith and repentance. And so, yeah, 100%. And that's what discipleship really is. It's growing in that faith and repentance. So, so I really like practical steps that yes. kind of, I like to lay it out there, you know, and like some steps. So, you know, I love Andy Stanley's Faith Catalyst. It's from a book called Deep and Wide. And I know not everybody's an Andy Stanley fan. I don't. Right. Not a fan of everything he says, right? <laughs> but this particular book and these particular steps, I do really like these things. And so, f the first step that we need to have in discipleship is practical teaching. And so, this would include like God's word, uh, you know, going to church, hearing the preached word, hearing Bible studies, you know, all of those types of things. Yeah. And not just the, the reason this is practical teaching is that we're applying that teaching to right. our lives. Right. That's the key. It's not just that you're learning and filling your head. It's that you are learning to apply that. So then there's an obedience that comes out of that teaching yes. in your life. Yes. It's a, this is what I, this is, this is the truth. And here's why it matters for me right, right now. And uh, that's a huge thing that I think then pours over into this next um, step is, is the private disciplines, right. right? And so there's the spiritual disciplines where you are practicing obedience. You are practicing this uh, growing in your faith. You're reading the Bible by yourself. Yeah. It's like devotional time. It's yeah. prayer. It's, it's learning all of those, those disciplines that, the, that help you to draw close to the Lord. So those are like really practical things like get up, read your read Bible, Bible. Yeah. spend time in prayer. But then there's also these concepts that Jesus talks about that are really of a private nature. And it, mm. it's like the Lordship of Christ, yeah. right? Or John chapter 15, abiding in Christ. Yeah. Those are those things that come out of those disciplines. So as I have a relationship with the Lord and I grow that and I invest in that, I learn what does it mean for me to abide in Christ and Christ to abide in me? Yeah, a lot of Christians get this idea. It's like, yeah, I love Jesus and I follow him. Um, but then we forget that part of the Great Commission is in... in Teach them to obey all that I commanded. Right. Loving Jesus and making Him your Lord means that you listen to Him mm -hmm. and you and you do you know you do your best to follow Him and that's where grace comes in. You're not going to do it perfectly, but where's your heart at? Are you even trying? That's so. That's where those private disciplines come in. Right. Um, what's the next one? Yeah. Then we get look at personal ministry, and that's another form of obedience. Mm -hmm. We think about serving. We think about giving. We even think about evangelizing. Right. It's all those things that we're doing. We're, we're trying to uh, think about what God has created me yeah. to serve him. I am a part of, of the spiritual body. You know, Paul spent a lot of time talking about I'm an eye or I'm a hand or mm -hmm. whatever. What part of the spiritual body are you? God has gifted you to do something. Yeah. Are yeah. you a teacher? Are you simply someone who just loves to serve and will, yeah. will do whatever? Are you hospitality oriented? Right. You know, whatever the thing God has created you, 
You've got to Plug serve in, in those things and use that for God's glory and to share the gospel. Well, and it really takes on that that personal like responsibility to to do the ministry that you've been called to. Because right. I, I had a student tell me, hey, we need to really uh, or suggest to me, we we need to have more like evangelistic events. And uh, and I love that heartbeat. I know what they're what they're saying. And I had to tell them, man, yes. The problem is, is in the season of uh, life that everyone is in right now, it's not really easy to do big, huge events um, because of COVID nineteen and all the different things we're dealing with. What we need to do, what we need to do, is get people to be living evangelists, like they are going out and evangelizing. And that really takes on a personal element. We've got to own this for ourselves. And that's really what it it comes down to. And that is helped by uh, this next one is providential relationships. Mm. These are relationships that God has put into your life and, and it comes out in community and then being discipled, which requires humility. Sometimes it, it, pushes into you and makes you humble. You don't necessarily come in humble, but mm-hmm. it makes you humble uh, being discipled. And then you are able to disciple other people yeah. and pour into them. Yeah, I think this is one that's sorely misunderstood. We the Christianity is inherently communally based, community yes. oriented. And so it's really hard to be a disciple and be out on your own. Right. You know, I really feel like God puts us together as a church, as believers, so that we can grow and help and challenge one another, even in the way that we disagree and we deal with conflict. That's a discipling thing that we, that we walk through. And so we've got to have those providential relationships where I'm invest, someone is investing in me or I'm investing in someone else. You know, we've talked about this before with Mm -hmm. the the Paul and the Timothy and the Barnabas and all that kind of stuff. That's huge. You know, I really feel like we, we, we cannot undersell the fact that we must have these relationships. I must find people to help me, to encourage me that, or people that I can build into as well. Yeah, well, pa- you know, Pastor Allen and and you uh, have, uh, both of you guys have said, I think Pastor Allen, you know, started as, you know, ministry happens in relationships. Yes. And I think we've said that here before. Um, and so those, mm-hmm. that personal ministry you have, uh, that's not going to happen unless you have these relationships that you're investing in. Right. And so that's and then, all very important. Yeah. And the last one's pivotal circumstances. Mm-hmm. These are our faith defining moments. Yeah. You know, much of our faith is lived out in the day to day, everyday thing. But if you think about your life, there are those moments that challenge your faith that kind of propel you, you know, it could be for a student that that goes to camp and that's sort of the springboard for them to, okay, I need to, I need to live my life in full obedience to the Lord, you know, or it could be for an adult. It could be you're meeting with somebody regularly. That yeah. relationship began because you made a decision to go meet with that person yeah. or whatever the, whatever the moment is, those faith defining moments help us to, to, push our faith even further. And, and and those are things that sometimes we can't, like these aren't things that we're necessarily saying, like the faith defining moments aren't things that you are just constantly seeking all the time. Right. I know, I know several people that are currently 
like chasing for some kind of faith defining moment as if they need a sign. And it's like, no, you don't need a sign. You need right. the the Bible. But here's what's really cool about faithfully walking with Jesus. Sometimes, you know, the disciples, they're just walking with Jesus. They're just hanging out, walking down right. the road. Nothing, nothing crazy happens. And then there's another time where they're getting to a boat, something they did hundreds of times. And then all of a sudden there's a storm and then they, they get to see Jesus calm the storm. Right. Okay. Exactly. You've got to just do the regular everyday thing. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, you'll, Jesus will show up and be like, bam, there you go. Go, faith defining moment. That's and, a really uh, good word. And that's yeah. huge. It's so good. So the point is, these are all faith catalysts. We need more faith. We need to encourage and grow in our faith. Jesus was all the time encouraging his discipleships. Have more faith. Trust me. Faith, faith, faith. And so yes. that is discipleship. That's right. That's right. We are encouraging each other to just trust Jesus more. So we know our mission. It's not just to share the gospel. It's to make disciples. Yes, we need to share. We need to evangelize, and we're going to talk about how to practically do that in everyday life, how, yes. to, how to do it in your family, talk to your kids, but you need to be able to share your faith. We right. also need to care deeply about discipling people. I believe 100% in relational evangelism, and that results in disciple-making which results in more disciples being made. That's Multiplication, right? right? That's, that's It's a cycle, man, and it just keeps going. And the thing is, is we don't want the, sti- the cycle to stop with us. And, and, you know, we don't want it to, you know, we got saved and then we're growing in our faith, but we're not sharing the gospel. Yeah, I, I love, uh, you know, Rediscovering Discipleship by Robbie Gowdy. He yes, talks so about good. the power of multiplication, mm-hmm. how if I... If I witness to somebody and they get saved, I can disciple them. Then they can go disciple somebody. Well, I can be discipling somebody else. And as we multiply, we are, we are exponentially growing more and more people. Yeah. That's what I really think that when Jesus talks about like, you know, sowing the seed and then it reaps, you know, 10 and and 50 and a hundred fold. I really think that's, that's what he's talking about is that, that, uh, multiplication that we don't ever really know what the number ends up being, but we know that because we're just sowing the gospel in other people's lives, that it's going, it's going to do right. something. So yeah, let me share a scary yeah, stat with you. This. Uh, this is from a couple years ago, but an overwhelming 80% of churchgoers believe they have a personal responsibility to share the gospel. This is according to Lifeway okay. Research Study. So that's good, right? But only 61%, uh, oh, sorry, 61% have not told another person the gospel in the previous six months. Wow. So 80% believe that they need to, but only 40% have even attempted to share the gospel in six months. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah. That, that is convicting. And now, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't walk around and every day there's an opportunity to share the gospel, but I do think we need to keep our eyes open looking for those those ways to share and those relationships that we can we can find. It could be, it could be in your neighborhood. It yeah. could be at your gym. It could be uh, at another parent at a sports league that or your just kids a restaurant are in. that you go to regularly. Right. All all of those things, and, and it comes down to one of the things I, I've seen a lot is one of the big reasons I think we don't share the gospel is because we just don't talk to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're not talking to people and being uh, people who care about other people's lives right. at all, um, then we're never going to have opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah, there's some kind of disconnect along the way, and and it could be fear, it could be apathy, like like you've mentioned. Yeah, uh, you know, it could be we don't 
think we possess the knowledge. I think some of it's just distraction. We're just right. distracted with all the things we've got to do in our life. And I'll just say, I know that I get that way. And I think that that is a tool of the enemy to right. just keep us from the mission. You know, I'm distracted with what I've got to deal with right now. Yep. And we've got to push back against that. So that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. We yep. want to break down a very simple way, very biblical way of how to share your faith, how to make disciples. And hopefully you'll get comfortable with that the way Jesus taught, the way Jesus did yeah. it. That's and the key. Here, here's one thing I want to just tag on the end of this um, for my part is that we, so parents, okay, if you're listening to this and you're like, great, the gospel, I need to share the, the gospel, blah, blah, blah. How does that help me be a better parent? Here's how. Parents, if you want to make an impact on the world for Jesus Christ, starts with your kids. If you have, if you have kids, don't you think that over their lifetime, if they love Jesus because you've poured Christ into them um, and God saved them, don't you think that they're going to make an impact over their entire life? That's that's your investment. Your investment in them for their entire life is going to pay dividends. Right. In, in eternal salvations of other people's souls. Plus, if they see you sharing your faith, then they'll know it really means something matters, to you. Yeah. It matters to you, and it is important to you. Uh, it's not just that you say we believe something, it's we live it out. That's right. That's right. That's huge. So, cool. So, well, I think we covered an introduction here hopefully and we're yep. going to jump into some more things next week i'm very excited about this series yeah me too i hope that you guys are enjoying it you know uh let us know what you think and and how we can help you more in this so awesome all right cool. see you next time see you next time I'm, I'm, I totally agree. You know, I'm going to read and listen right. to Ligon Duncan. I'm not going to talk to him about baptism. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Especially infant baptism. He doesn't you know, know what he's talking about about anything. So. <laughs> oh, he doesn't. <laughs> one of my favorite preachers. No big deal. Yeah, no, just I just one I of agree. the smartest theological minds. <laughs> I would love to hear him and Al Mohler. Him and Al Mohler are in it. Just really hash it out. What if they're just like... Dude, did you see the game? Bro. Bro. <laughs> they are not like that. Mueller's like, bro, I was fishing the other day. No. What they are more like is this pen that I got. It's amazing. The fine <laughs> let me tell you the history. Just, let me tell you about this. <laughs> I like to go fishing because I learned the, the history of fishing, and it helps me relate to Jesus. I've studied every aspect there is known to man about fishing.